Hello and welcome to an extra edition of the Sustainable Futures Report for Wednesday the 13th of October. I'm Anthony Day. I'm frequently approached by companies and organisations who want to be interviewed on the podcast to showcase their sustainability. I turn quite a lot away, but there are still many interesting ones. I've decided to publish them separately because otherwise the regular episodes just get far too long. I've got several other interviews lined up for most weeks between now and the end of the year. Let me know what you think. Mail at anthony-day.com or put a comment on the Sustainable Futures Report website or wherever you find this podcast. Today, I'm talking to the CEO of Alpkit, suppliers of equipment for outdoor activities. It's a sustainable company. Let's find out how. Last month, I facilitated a panel discussion called Sustainability from the Ground Up about small and medium businesses making their sustainability journey. Today's interview is about sustainability and the great outdoors. My guest is David Hanney, CEO of Alpkit. David, welcome and thanks for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Hi, Anthony. Nice speaking to you and thanks for inviting us onto the, onto the podcast. Now, Alpkit provides a wide range of equipment for outdoor activities. David, tell me about the six principles which guide your business. Yes, yeah, so um, we've always, since we were founded in 2004, um, had internally a whole raft of, 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 of almost practices that we followed. And a few years ago, we tried to coalesce those right into uh, principles and values by which by which we, we run the business. Um, and they are, in order, moving towards a circular economy, which is reduce, reuse, repair, recycle. It's... Uh, treat animals humanely so we always look for the most humane methods of when we use things like wool um, and leather that kind of thing it is to work with people we believe in so we in the factories we choose to work with we generally think they're world class and we know them personally and spend time with them so we always work with positive people it's respecting our environment so um, it is things like we're challenging at the moment as to how to measure our scope three carbon emissions which is an important task we've got on right now it is build a better business, which is just being responsible. You pay your taxes, you pay, uh, we pay a living wage foundation, so we're a living wage foundation employer, um, and it's give back. So we give a minimum of 1% of our turnover to, cha- to a charity that we've got, um, and that racks up, that's a minimum. We've given something like 40% of our profits over the last five years uh, to outdoor activity through, through the charity. So they're the six principles which is circular economy, respect the environment, work with people we believe in, treat animals humanely, give back and build a better business. So you could say like a stick of rock, you've got sustainability through and through. Yeah, I mean, it's something we, we deeply, deeply, deeply uh, believe in and it's what we're about. And almost we've known about these issues for 30 years. And I remember as a teenager reading Jim Lovelock's book about Gaia and now, you know, 30 years down the line and you're, you're running a business uh, we're in the hot seat now and we've just got to do in a complex world what we what we believe in. Now, you actually use suppliers all over the world. You have an extensive supply chain. You were saying that you deal directly, you go and visit. 
Yeah. It's it must be quite a task because they are very widespread, your suppliers, and inevitably there's going to be a carbon footprint in your supply chain because things come from so far. Yeah. So ultimately the raw materials we use, uh, a lot of the raw materials, the fabrics that we use are products of the petrochemical industry, which uh, tend to be made in Taiwan and Japan. The factories we use tend to be in Forest Asia and China. Uh, and in terms of the footprint, you're right, we've been going to, I've been going to China for a good while. We don't actually have that many factories uh, that we work with. There's probably about 10 or a dozen key factories. And I've known them over 20 years. You know, we, we know them very well and we know the owners very well. We spend time uh, on the shop floor with, with workers there. And a lot of them are based in China, some in Taiwan. Um, so we are we are a global business, even though we're small, we are a global business. And that obviously has challenges and supply chain challenges and the contradiction of, of working in a global business whilst you're attempting to do the right thing. Obviously, there's a huge contradiction there, um, which is something we, we grapple with. Uh, tell me more about your approach to the circular economy and, and what's the, the Take Back project? Is that part of it? Yeah, so um, we're very keen on reduce reuse, repair, recycle, which are those elements. And those have been around for a long time. Um, and by reduce, we mean choosing lower impact materials. And those lower impact materials is understanding with the fabric developers that we, we use and the, where the materials come from. They're materials that are long lasting and durable. Um, repair, all of our stores, we've been running repairs since 2004. Um, and all of our shops have got uh, repair stations. Some are actually in the shop and some we, we take from the stores that where we don't have the repair station physically there. Uh, so, for example, in Ilkley, they're currently repaired in places like Hathersage and Keswick. Their Ilkley store is going to have uh, a repair station very soon. Um, and so we repair any brand, but it, it's commercial. We cover the cost, so we don't have a huge markup, but we cover the cost of the Teamster doing their work. And it's wonderful. So we do things like zips, swap, uh, swaps, Heat packs, repairs, if you nick a waterproof jacket, we reproof your waterproof jacket, reproof your tent, we wash you down, wash your sleeping bags, we'll wash your tent. So all the kind of aspects uh, really reinforcing that it's a partnership with outdoor product. And, and the more you look after it, the kind of the, the line is the more it'll look after you. Um, and we're really keen on encouraging what we call the emotional durability of a product. So uh, a whole design ethos is gear you'll love for longer really wanting to encourage a, a lifelong love so three years ten years you know my new tent is now i bought in the mid 90s and i still think of it as my new tent kind of thing so uh the repair that repair aspect is very important to us reuse um through the charity that we set up we've got lots of connections with people who are desperate for kit um and when it's in manchester it's probably two three years ago and, and it's november nine and i was seeing homeless on the street and i was thinking geez we must be able to do something about this and it was a fairly naive view and the idea developed from that point but effectively we've got through our returns process the capability to get product from our customers back to us really quickly and really inexpensively so we take back any brand of product any product. So we're about to we're about to launch a send us your duvets, you know, bedding. We'll take the duvets, and then through the connections we've got through charities, we promise to find a home for it. So it's people like Birmingham City Mission. There's a whole heap of outdoor uh, centres that are desperate for kit, and with the duvets, we know a factory in Hungary called Redown that effectively 
recycles down and, and makes it into new bedding products and new outdoor garments that we, we may use, but also the likes of Ikea use for bedding and Patagonia use. So again, it's we really like the idea of giving people ownership and being able to take small actions that make a difference. So, um, and it's, it's kind of in the, when you read a lot about uh, the challenges in the climate crisis we're facing, I sometimes feel a little bit helpless and what difference can I make? So it's a proper kind of butterfly wings kind of aspect that you can take a small action. Senders, like senders your duvets, will send them to Hungary. They'll be made into new down, that'll go into bedding and it's something that you can, you can do yourself. So we don't, we don't incentivize through discounts. It's, gen, it's a genuine senders your bedding and we will, we will recycle it into new. So recycle is almost at the end of the chain. If you can't reuse it, can't repair it, we'll recycle it. And we've taken back last year, uh, it came to about three tonnes of, of outdoor gear that we rehomed. And we're up to, this year, we expect to go through 15,000 repairs. So it's, it's of a scale now. It's significant for us. Indeed. And are you unique in providing this sort of service in this sector? Oh, no, we're not unique. Um, because other other people do do repairs. I think what's unique about us is that it's every day of the week. It's not a marketing promotion where one day a month you may do things you repairs. And the other unique thing for us, I, I struggle with how people, other other brands and retailers, do it to incentivize a discount off of new. Because for me, that isn't actually getting to the essence of repair, reuse, recycle. You know, so don't send us a product and to get 20% off a new a new sleeping bag that's that's just you know that isn't that isn't fulfilling what my my perception of what what circular economy is um does that make sense you were talking about emissions yeah uh, you were talking about scope 3 emissions now as i understand yeah. it scope 3 is the emissions created by your customers using your product and yeah. uh, notoriously, scope three emissions are the most difficult yeah. to do anything about. So what's yeah. your approach on this? So scope three, uh, we include is both customer and end of life use. So that's things like washing um, and end of life. We also in scope threes, it's up the supply chain as well. So it's emissions that our factories use on our behalf and in extracting the raw, mater raw materials. So... Um, for people who are not familiar with scope one, scope two, scope three, greenhouse gases, scope one is what we burn ourselves. Yeah. So it's gas, fuel. We've got uh, we've got a fossil fuel principally, and we're burning it. It's the emissions that are coming from from our assets. Scope yeah. two is uh, things where we're using energy, which is fossil fuel based. So electricity is a, a good one. That kind of aspect. Um, scope three is the harder to to measure stuff. So we do use scope one, we calculate scope one, scope two. Scope three, um, there's a lot of public information actually, and something like two thirds of a garment's CO2 full life emissions actually come from raw materials in the make stage and shipping it to us. So for us, the lion's share is actually upstream into raw materials and factories rather than downstream into customer use, which is obviously important and end of life is important. But that, what that means is if you think you've got a garment, almost the thing you can do with that garment to reduce your impact is to use it for a long time. You know, use it year after year, truly wear it out, have a partnership with that garment, that can reduce your impact significantly. Um, right. So how we go and measure it, 
Um, we're going upstream first, like I say, and it's working with our factories and understanding their fossil fuel use, which is principally energy, um, their fossil fuel use in the supply chain. Um, then you go, go back further, go back further. Um, and it includes logistics. So it includes the emissions from uh, getting product from wherever it's made into the UK. And those are fairly manageable and measurable. They have to make fairly broad estimates. Um, I read, so say for example, with delivery into the UK, we use the Royal Mail. And Royal Mail published their, some, their, some figures saying that their average emission is something like 250 almost grams of CO2 per delivery. So we know how many orders we send through Royal Mail, times it by 250 grams, gives an estimate of the, of the amount of CO2 that is being used. It's not just yourselves who measure your impact. Tell me about B Corp. Yeah, so um, last summer we uh, were certified a B Corp and B Corp gives a framework, uh, for, for, sustain, uh, a framework for sustainability um, and they verify your procedures. You, to get B Corp accredited, you have to go through a verification process um, and it's fairly rigorous um, overall. And the power of B Corp um, and the verification is B Corps generally have, uh, have got an ethos and a mindset uh, across all B Corps where you feel you're working with your kin. Um, it gives a framework and also gives a framework of how can you, can, you can develop. We touched earlier about just the contradictions of being a brand, a product brand, which is a polluter <laughs> through what we do naturally. How do you then balance that with things like uh, social justice and things like paying your taxes, being a good good business. And B Corp uh, is based, well, I can see the pathway through the, sustain, the UN uh, Sustainable Development Goals into actions that um, brands can actually take. And for us as a small brand, I kind of think far bigger, better brains have worked on this than me. So that I really see it as a handrail for things that we can do tangibly um, to, to be a better business. And the nice thing about B Corp as well is that a lot of the assessment is publicly available and free. You can just do the assessment yourself and it gives you a score yourself so you can see how you rack, you, how you rack up. And it can also help how you plan the next development. But to get the accreditation, that's where they come in and verify the results that you've given. Just taking a broader view for the moment, there are always downsides. And one of the problems with outdoor adventures and so on is that some places are overwhelmed and overwhelmed to a, to a chronic extent i'm thinking particularly of everest and yeah. also snowden what can we do about that when you look at that photo and you look at the great expanse around you you've got a queue of people just trying to get to the top of one particular peak and around you there's there's like a lot of wild wilderness and wild space and there's something about Outkit that I think our customers get that, you know, you can see this queue up somewhere, but an Outkit customer will be somewhere else <laughs> on their own. And where I live, you've got Manchester on one side, Sheffield on the other. And the history of, of particularly where I live, for years, for decades, you know, 100 years ago, people were coming out from Manchester um, on, the, on the train to Hayfield and 3,000 people would come walking at the weekend. We've always had a lot of visitors and it was the place of the mass trespass in 1932 and still around here on a weekend if you go around kinder downfall um that can be really busy uh on a saturday sunday but literally go 
200 yards onto the plateau and you're by yourself. So there's an aspect, I think, to a certain extent, the outdoors is big enough for all of us. We've got concentration to hotspots where the, the, um, the infrastructure can't cope. It used to be trains, it's now cars that people come out on, and the car parking can't cope. The toilets in the local area can't cope. The litter collections can't cope. So there are things that we can do through education, um, through by helping uh, people um, navigate in places they can walk, and also putting infrastructure in places in, in the places that people want to go. People want to go to Snowdon. And it's wonderful. It can be a really fantastic introduction to to the outdoors and start a lifelong love of the outdoors going up Snowdon. And there is a train and a cafe at the top. So almost we need to put the infrastructure in place because we're bringing people to those areas. Um, so I think a bit of education, helping people come through, investing in infrastructure, because generally the outdoors is good, but also the outdoors is big. Thank you very much for that. Now, as we draw this to a close, just come out a bit further still and look at the broadest picture. Have you any thoughts or hopes for COP26 next month? Oh, what I'd love is government regulation. Um, phase out the use of fossil fuels, phase out, set some stringent targets. I think we all know that the market won't solve this on their own. And um, know, I heard one of your podcasts that the financial community is moving and money is moving into into renewable uh, and a, a kind of good impact businesses, which is really positive. But we need coherent government regulation to help us. Otherwise, we'll be we'll be going around in circles. David Hanley, thank you very much for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Good day, thanks, Anthony. Many thanks to David Hanley. You'll find Alpkit at alpkit.com. I just want to make it clear that these interviews are not advertorial. The Sustainable Futures Report accepts no advertising, sponsorship or subsidies, and I have total editorial control. Of course, I'm always grateful for the support of my patrons who pay a small monthly contribution to help me cover my costs. If you'd like to join their number, you're more than welcome. Find the details at patreon.com slash s-f-r-p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-f-r. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Until next Friday for a regular episode. Mm-hmm.